0: Father, we thank you for our spiritual father, Paul Anderson. We thank you for his joy, love, grace, wisdom, um, just the protector spirit that he has. Lord, we feel safe around him. God, we pray for our hearts to be open to you, Lord, and to one another as we break up into groups after the message. Pray that you'd bless his travel with the Harvest Project School going on their retreat. Uh, Bless their travels. Bless their fellowship. I pray that you'd move in mighty ways up there. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you. Hey, do mm-hmm. do we have the clip one? Should I could I use the clip one? Because I, I move and then I can just do that. That's okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Just so you know, I love Okay. I can stand wherever I need to stand. I'll stand with wife. While
2: he's getting ready, I wanted to welcome Karen back. Oh surgery. Yeah. Thank you for, uh, thank you, Lord, for bringing healing. Are you still having pain? Lord, bring healing to that pain. Yes, bless that Uh, Yes, no more pain. Oh, that's
1: very difficult. That one, Gene Goldsby. We've prayed for him each Sunday, and he is—he is doing better. He—he he is uh, breathing on his own. He is taking it in. He's sitting up. He's responding. They moved him out of ICU into another facility, and it's w- wonderful. Uh, He's doing just really good. So how many of you know if you're going to speak on stress or anxiety and how to deal with it, you're going to get a little bit of it (laughs) (laughs) just to see where you're at? Just to remind you. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to tell you what stress. Stress is a noun. Just to say stress can make you stressed. It comes from the Latin strictus. Number one, strain, pressure, force exerted upon the body that tends to deform its shape, stress. It changes what it pushes into. Number two, tension. Number three, this is interesting. In phonetics, the relative force with which a syllable is uttered. So. You guys, you see this Japanese car, and you say, oh, that's a Subaru, <laughs> right? No. Karen grew up in Japan, and she'd say, no, you don't put any stress on any syllable. It comes out Subaru. That's the correct way. Say Subaru. Subaru. Not Subaru. <laughs> Subaru. Subaru. Okay. Stress. I, was, I graduated down the street in 1970 from Luther Seminary, went out to California to be an intern. The year after I was there, Pastor Christensen, my mentor, and the senior pastor went away for one year of study. Guess who became the senior pastor of this church? Strong, disciplined church. A lot of people who were a lot more mature than the pastor. And I somehow... People decided to die when Larry was gone. And I had a funeral every month. Never had a funeral before. Didn't know how to do funerals. I did a lot of them in that first year. And it was, it was somewhat of a stress in learning how to be a pastor of a church where a lot of people were way beyond me. The elders were way beyond me. And I, uh, what you do with stress is you take it on your body, right? And I took it out of my body to the point where I eventually had a surgery for what I, how I punished my body. And Lloyd Thornblatt, who's now 92, just had a surgery and doing well in California, Lloyd prayed for me. He was a very gentle man. And this is what he said, you need to learn how to deal with stress. That's all he said. God took that admonition and turned it into a promise. You know that you can get a command that could beat you up, but that same command could be a promise from God. Every command in the Bible is an invitation to believe God. And somehow, I don't remember anything I did differently, but God did. He did something in my heart. I learned how to deal with stress. And so I I started things, I start things, That's what I'm called to do. And I do that truly without stress. However, there are certain things that make me stressed. (laughs) And one of them was when Karen and I were coming back on 52, and we got into the cities, and I was eager to get home. It was late at night. It was dark, and I'm wearing glasses now, and I didn't have my glasses. And driving at night without them can make me stressful because I see, you know, I, it's glary, and now they stopped, it was, it was a few months ago, you might remember it, downtown St. Paul, they closed off some of the streets, I didn't know how to get back, so I went on 94, went west on 94, figuring there, there's some way to get out here, and there, they're, they're not blocked off every street, I'm going to get home, and so I walked, went down this way, she's already starting to laugh, that's what she did when this happened, because then I came back in 94, same way, got off at the same place, figuring it's going to be different now. Why did I think it was going to be different? I did that three times. And she starts laughing. That didn't help me at all. I should have been laughing. But I took it instead to be stressed. It was foolish of me. I wish I'd made, made a game out of it and just play. Hey, this is fun. I've seen this street before. <laughs> I kept thinking, something's going to change. They're going to remove the barriers. I was an idiot. And I felt this stress of that. I'm, time stresses me. And so when I had a meeting this Friday with a, a friend who's a psychiatrist, we've never sat down together, but we met at a, a funeral recently, and we said, let's get together. And I had the time wrong. He came early, called me up from... His phone, which does not have caller ID because he's a psychiatrist and uh, he doesn't want his patients to be able to get him. And, <laughs> so, and I thought I had the wrong time. So I came back, missed him, didn't have his number, couldn't call him. And I feel that inside when I've let somebody down. I feel it. And I, I even pray, God, I know I'm speaking on ang- being anxiety-free on Sunday. So I give this to you, and I sort of did. But I still took on some of the stress of it. So I share this with an acknowledgement that God has done something good in my heart. But there's much more. And as I read a passage from Philippians, it really both convicted me and encouraged me. And I said, I'm going for it. And then when when I found out I was preaching, This Sunday, I said, here's what I'm going to share with them. So I want to say to you, rejoice in the Lord sometimes. And again, I say, (laughs) sometimes. Rejoice in the Lord when you pass your test, right? Rejoice in the Lord when things go your way and you get get the promotion. Rejoice in the Lord when you pray for the kid to get well and the kid gets well. Rejoice in the Lord when things work and and your boss turns around and he, he becomes nice to you. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord, but that doesn't take a lot of faith, does it? How about rejoice in the Lord when you don't get the promotion? Which is what a friend of mine did in California when he didn't get what he thought. He got laid off. And somehow he managed to say, God, I trust you in the midst of this. He was an engineer for 30 years. He was an elder in the church. He went back to Fuller Seminary, got his PhD, and began teaching at seminary level. That's what he was called to do. And God allowed this to happen. I don't know if God did it or allowed it. In any case, it happened. And it turned him to walk into his destiny. So you. Rejoice in the Lord when the child doesn't get better. Not blaming God, but rejoicing in the God. Why would we do that? Why why would we do that? Because rejoicing has to do with certainties, not circumstances. And what are those certainties? See, if you live circumstantially, you are on a roller coaster ride, absolutely. Every day you're up and down, right? Right? If it's only circumstantially, we're just up and down and up and down. Circumstance is good, we rejoice in the Lord. Circumstance is bad, we can't do it. In fact, we may think that those who do, they're strange. They're extra spiritual. They haven't been encountered by life's sufferings, whatever. We think they're different and maybe even they're weird, weird because they're rejoicing at the wrong times, Like Andrew Womack, when his son... Quit breathing. I heard it just a week ago. I heard this on the tape. And how do you live with a situation like that? I mean, wouldn't you panic? He didn't. And he did what some people wouldn't dare to do because he didn't breathe for hours. And he said, my heart was not uh, afraid. And he prayed for him, and he awoke. No side effects. He had preached a message of rejoicing in the Lord always, and of God being a miracle God. And he proved it in his own family when he could have absolutely flattened out, panicked, and lost it. So I'm asking you a question. What is it? What are the areas? So I know that you rejoice in the Lord sometimes. I know you do that. And that's a wonderful thing. Are there things that you have in your life? I want, I want us to turn. And just share with somebody. This is personal, so you, know, you don't have to do it. But if you can find somebody that you're willing, I know what it is for me. It's time-related issues, and I feel the pressure. I feel the stress. And I, I, it's hard for me just to release that. Now, some of you, that, it doesn't bother Karen. She was laughing because it wasn't an issue. That's why I married her, because there are things that I can teach her, and there are things that she can teach me. So I need what she's got in this area. And hopefully i got a couple of things that she needs that yes, I've got. Yes, amen. Amen, <laughs> amen. And if you ask her, she'll probably tell you what they are after, you know, after we meet together. You can line up and you could, she could tell you. But now I want you to do, I want you to turn to somebody and say, I do rejoice in the Lord sometimes, but here are the situations that are toughest for me. And you, you help me with those. So just turn, turn to somebody. If you have to move, it's okay. It's legal. One more minute.
2: Um, we have (coughs) to leave right after this. Yeah. But um, or shortly after you know the church is over. But I didn't want to be able to talk with Terrace, not even feeling like distracted like now or whatnot. And like your question's kinda odd because like you said. You you don't you didn't want to necessarily be there? Oh if you want I don't know, I just You could just go over to her and just
1: say and you I know I, I crossed the line, I'm sorry for that. Are okay, okay, okay. I'll just go with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he just asked like, hey, what do you have for the voice again? I can't rejoice right now, I know there's someone in
2: here.
1: Okay, we'll come back at it again. I want to I just say what those certainties are, and then I want to look into Philippians, and then we'll talk about how to live an anxiety free life, and then we'll have some more small group, more extended time. One of the certainties is the presence of god that's a big one isn't it Yea, though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death finish it with me with me jesus said i will never leave you nor forsake you that's a certainty and so if we live by certainties rather than circumstances we can embrace the absolute truth that we're never alone, we're never abandoned, we're never left by ourselves. And sometimes we feel that way. Jesus himself felt, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? He felt alone at the cross. And that was a signal event, and that was different from our experience because God had to step back from him. That's a certainty. The second certainty is, is the absolute truth that God overturns evil with good. And he calls us to do the same. And so when you encounter a situation which is evil, we don't say uh, lightly, there's a reason for everything. Well, I I heard an 18-year-old girl say that in California when I was meeting with a college group. Uh, And she said that because her mother tried to commit suicide and she was having to be the mom of the family. And I said, you know, there isn't a reason for everything. At least there's not a good reason for everything. Because Satan does win some rounds. He doesn't win the fight, but he wins some rounds and he gets his looks in. And when we yield to him, it it doesn't look good. It doesn't turn out good. And your mom shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have to be the, the mom of the family. That's not right. That's not a good reason. And you shouldn't be doing that. So I you know, sometimes we say the wrong thing in light of that, but God overturns. God turns things around. He works things together. All things are not good, but he works things together for good for two kinds of people. For those who love him and are called according to his purpose. If you live on purpose, you live for God's purpose in your life, you're living purposefully, then God will take that thing that is bad and he will turn it for good. It's a certain thing. It will certainly happen. Then he calls us to do the same thing. Do not be overcome by evil. But, on the other hand, what? You can do it, too. See, you're like God. In fact, you represent God in the earth. So it looks bad. It looked bad for this guy to lose his job. He's an engineer. And he loses it. It looked bad. Was it bad? Oh, my. God was going to do something so much more wonderful. So much better. And if you're able to say that, in the midst, not afterwards. And heaven is really happy with that. I think I told most of you, maybe maybe some of you haven't heard it, so I'll share it again. How when Eric and Drew were living inside those walls there, and one morning Judah came out into this area, in that rec room in the area there, and he went back in his room. It was early in the morning, and he said, Daddy, wah-wah. And his dad came out, looked at that, looked at the rug here floating. The rug was floating in four inches of water all the way back. And he came up to me, and he said, Paul, (laughs) wah-wah. Lots of wah-wah. And, uh, you know, when, when your car breaks down or when you get a flat tire, you know, what do you say? Oh, this is a bad time for this to happen. You know, Dumb thing. Dumb thing. This was a bad time. In other words, if it happened 30 hour, three hours later, good time. Good time for this to happen. So I said that to the Lord when my, my car broke down. After I said, I'm not going to say that anymore, broke down at North Heights. I said, just so you know, God, this is a good time for this to happen because he is in control. See, he's in control. He can turn that around. He can turn that around. Easy. So I came down, four inches of water down here, and I took the uh, shop vac, and I filled it up quickly, went outside, poured it out, came back in, and I said, that did nothing. <laughs> I, I, would, I would have done it the rest of the day, and, and maybe made a dent. So I called up, and I said, what do you do when you, I called up a plumber, what do you do when you have a flood? Uh, You call a restoration specialist. So we did. I I ran up to see if we had insurance. We had insurance. Called them. They came out, looked at this room, and said, we have never seen this much water in a residence. Clint was living here. Clint came out, and he said, Paul, didn't you speak on testing on Tuesday? (laughs) Click. Now, did God send it? I don't know. Did the devil? I'm not sure. Did God use it? Absolutely. And because of Clint's provocation, we started singing. The test was over as soon as we started singing. I'll, I'll tell you, the test was over. It starts in your mind. That's where the battle is. How are you going to respond in your head? Are you going to complain? If, In case you wondered, God doesn't like complaining at all. It doesn't register on his happy scale, complaining. It does when you continue to complain. And finally, God said, I give up. I've had it with the Israelites. He said, you will not go into the land. And what was meant to be a journey through became a graveyard. And they, they never made it in. And so I want to learn how in the midst of difficulty. So we started singing, Jesus loves me. As we were doing what we can do to get things out, God used it. We got a lot more money than we should have had for the insur- from the insurance. We had run out of money. We didn't have any money left. And God used that to help us to finish the project. Did God do it? He did that. So does it work to rejoice in the Lord always? Let me ask another question first, and we'll look at it. Does it work not to? When you don't rejoice in all situations, you make a crummy employee. Because you complain about things. You complain about the boss. You complain about the situation. You complain about what you didn't get that you deserve. And you're entitled to it. When it doesn't turn out your way and you don't rejoice in the Lord, you can't see what God's going to do to overturn it. And it, you may not see it and you may not step into it. It really doesn't work well when you don't rejoice in a situation. That seems counterintuitive to even say, I rejoice in the midst of this. Not to do it in the midst of sickness or suffering is to miss something that God. Now, do you mean when you miss your flight because of traffic and you're stranded for a day? (laughs) Happened? Okay, we're here. We're in Chicago another day. God, use it for good. Do something. Help us to touch somebody. See, when when you're saying that, then you're ready to move. You're ready for battle. You're ready to touch a life and to make a difference. And God will say, See, I can always do it. I will overturn it for good. But if you whine and complain, your eyes are shut. You cannot see it. And if Christians alone complaining on the job it'd make a huge difference the light would be glaring I mean it would blind people because we chose to be anxiety free I rejoice in the Lord Okay, it, it, so you agree with me it doesn't work not to right? can you say yes it doesn't work not to ok does it work too? I'll say yes and no to do it does not mean that you won't suffer. It didn't take away Paul's aches when he sat in the prison. Because later they cleaned the wound. It will not change the whole situation. What does it change? It changes you. It changes your attitude. And attitudes is everything at that point. Attitude is the thing. And if it changes your attitude, you are going to see. And God is so excited. Here is Paul, his body is bruised, and he's in stocks in the inner jail. Was it just? No, it wasn't just. In fact, he told them the next morning that this wasn't just. I'm a Roman. And they got nervous. And so at midnight, he leans over Silas and he says, you know any good choruses? And they sing. And God is so moved by that that he says, I'm going to go down there and join them. He comes down and he rattles the place, shakes the building. The place flies open. The doors fly open. Here's how sensitive Paul is to the spirit. The door's open. I run. You no, know, Paul, stay right where you are. And he heard it. Amazing. We would have presumed this is a jailbreak if there ever was one. He stepped right where we and he told the jail guy who was going to kill himself, we're all here. All means more than two. We're all here. Paul had to convince some people. God is up to something here. He didn't heal our backs, but he touched our heart, and he's going to do something. It led to the planting of a church that was one of Paul's favorite churches. And so we're just going to peek at it now and look at the attitude of a man. This man's real. You think, who do I know that lives this way? Who do I know? I hope you know a few. I know a few people who live like this, and they're like perfume. They're fun to be around all the time. Because they don't give in to anxiety and stress. They live in such a way that God is just flipping their situations around continually. And they are building stories, miracle stories, of how God overturns evil with good. I want to be there, don't you? Don't you want to be there? Raise your hand if you want to be there. I want to see the hands go up. And let's agree that things are going to change as we look at this now. I just want to review. First of all, Philippians, the the church, the Philippi church, was began because he got beaten up and he didn't react negatively. He let God use him to lead a jailer to the Lord, his whole family. They baptized him. They cleaned up his wounds. And then he... Uh, took off and so now he's thanking them and just just a few passages we're just going to briefly look at him in 13 now i want you to know chapter 1 verse 13 brothers that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel you know what he got thrown for a gain normal people would have said he got thrown for a loss but he says, hey, this is wonderful. You know, I'm in prison in Rome. And what's God doing? He's use, he, he does it all the time. He's using it for good. How would you like being chained for, for uh, two hours with the Apostle Paul? Do mm-hmm. you think anything would come out of his mouth? Do you think he'd complain about the situation? No, he'd preach the gospel to you. And it says, it has become known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. I'm in chains for Christ. Situations that we'd call negative, he calls positive. I want to live that way. Because then the gospel goes forth with power. Then he goes on to say that some are preaching Christ just to get even with Paul. Their hearts are wrong. He says, well, the gospel's going out anyway. And in that I rejoice. Then he's thinking, I would much rather be with Christ. I'd much rather die and be with Christ. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. But you guys need me. I, I'm going to stick around. You guys need me. And then listen to what he says. Because they're, they're engaged in a big fight in Philippi. He's in a fight in Rome. They're in a fight. He said, I know you're in a fight. And then he says in verse 29, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to what? Suffer. How does Paul treat suffering? It's a gift. My. My. So not only does he not complain about suffering, he says, thank you for the privilege of fellowshipping with you. I want to live like that. I want to live when I suffer. I want to say, thank you, Lord Jesus for this special privilege and in chapter 2 he just he says some things I had said just two weeks ago I said God I want to be able to fulfill the hard commands and then as I looked I realized they're all hard (laughs) every one of them they're hard they're counterintuitive listen to this chapter 2 verse 3 do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit but in humility consider others better than yourself can you do that can I do that just practice it look at somebody else and say you're better than I am I consider you better than me they shouldn't say amen when you say that okay then he he goes on he says that God's at work within us listen to verse 14 I've been meditating on this one. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Say it with me. Do everything without complaining. I want to deal with any complaining and any arguing. If you deal with that, you become blameless and pure. That's where I want to live. It's possible. Paul's living there so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. I'm, God, I'm ready for that. I want to do it. I want to deal with all complaining. I don't want to be a complainer. I don't want to be a whiner. I let that go from my vocabulary. I'm not going to do it by grace, by your grace. I won't do it anymore. God will work that in me. God will work it in you. If that's, if that's your heart's desire and you let him know. Then in chapter 3, he's going to close the letter. Ha, ha. Uh, Verse 1. Finally, he's halfway through. <laughs> finally, rejoice in the Lord. So he's already on this theme of rejoicing. This is his happy letter. Came out of suffering. His happy letter. Joy and rejoicing occurs. I've counted X. Times a lot of times in this letter. Then he calls us to press on. Then in chapter four, here we are. Here's what we're looking at: rejoice in the Lord. Say it. Always. So we don't want to wiggle out from under that one. We want to say, okay, I will do it, and I'll do it always. Want to sing that? Sing that little chorus. Want to sing it? Rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, Lord, again I say rejoice. 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 No, it didn't. Sometimes. You can do that without a lot of faith. But to do it with faith, rejoice in the Lord always. Heaven's going to hear that. Heaven's going to respond. And so he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And then he wants to make sure we've heard it. So he says it again. Then listen to what he says. Let your gentleness be evident all and he wants that to be known in light of what is about to take place he says the Lord is near when the Lord is near Satan is agitated and Satan is stirring things up and it can stir up Christians and so he says stay gentle let your gentleness be evident let everybody see that you're gentle that you're not on an edge You're not fighting this thing. You're gentle. You're relaxed. You're not stressed in light of really earth-shaking things. When you read about what's going to come down at the end of times, that could really throw us off. David in the psalm says, Therefore we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains be thrown into the heart, of the sea that sounds like a tsunami therefore we will not fear here are the disciples who are fishermen and a storm comes up they think they're going to drown and so what's jesus doing he's sleeping which may have made them a little irritated hey we're about to drown and he rebuked them jesus was with them and boat. jesus is with them when colossal, catastrophic things happen, and we know they will in the end time. So in light of those things, he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is at hand. Then he says, do not be anxious about anything. I know what my stressors are. I know the things that I've dealt with that it's possible for me to live without stress and give thanks to God. And I'm grateful that he's worked that in me. I'm not there I'm not there yet where Paul is at. I want to be there. I want to come to the place where I live without anxiety because then I see God at work in the midst of situations that should Bring on anxiety, like an emergency trip to the hospital, like somebody who is not breathing well, or even stops breathing, or what looks like a promotion turns out to be getting laid off, or thinking that you got an A and you got a D, and you find out you're flunking the class, or you think the boss is in your favor, and he he brings on someone else instead. Have no anxiety about anything. You want to live there? You you want to live? That's where I want to live. That's where I that's where I'm I'm going there because it's in the word of God. This is not for super spiritual. It's not for people who are not in touch with reality. It's not for those who just haven't suffered. In fact, it is for people who know about suffering and let God use it to their advantage. But so he's going to tell us how now. Do not be anxious about anything, but, okay, we're going to listen here. In everything, by prayer and petition, so we direct our attention toward heaven. And what do we add to that prayer? Thanksgiving. We say thank you. Thank you. When it seems to be funny, thank you that the place is flooded. Thank you that the car broke down. Thank you that I lost my job. Thank you that you're working in the midst of this to bring about a miracle, that you're working to bring something good. You can go ahead and say, I thank you. Is there anything that you haven't thanked him for that you you need to stop right now and say, oh, by the way, thank you. Pardon? Okay. Okay. We'll agree with you. We'll agree with you. Thank you, God. You're gonna do something good. I'll tell you what it sometimes is for me when my, my car has been towed several times. I sit next to a guy. He's usually a Lutheran. I don't know why. <laughs> and I, I know that it's going to open up an opportunity because I'm a Lutheran pastor. I shocked one of them once. and I said, just so you know, there are no Lutherans in heaven. What? That, that uh, provoked some conversation. <laughs> But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. How kind of God. How kind to make himself utterly available to us in times where we want to be stressful and we don't have to be. We can let God know. God, you know I'm, I, I easily get stressed in these situations. And I'm giving it to you. And I'm confident that you're going to turn it. You're going to do something really good in this situation. I'm confident, I can't see it, but I see you. And I know how good you are. I know how faithful. We sing about God's faithfulness. I know you're going to do something. See, we're going to build testimonies. As you've heard me say before, God turns tests into testimonies. And that's if we have a test, it's because he's going to bring something about that's allow us to testify at Lydia House and out in the world somewhere to somebody about the goodness of God. Like what happened with Brandon when he was able to talk to his boss. How wonderful. And then, as it happens, as this is going on, something settles on us. And what is it? The peace of God. See, it does work. It really does work. Instead of the stress of life, we get the peace of God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard. Military term guard your hearts. And minds in Christ sheep,
0: huh? that's really key. I
1: think it is yeah we'll our to our minds and from our own that's right and we need that guard because we can we can get it and lose it did you have something there I, I just had a question. go for it. Can you hear back hear back there? Yeah. Okay, they can hear you. You have to give up the control to
0: God. Um and I'm just like wondering what that looks like, cuz like in my brain, kind of like the extreme of that, I picture like some like I don't know, like some like surfer guy on the
1: beach that's like, whatever bro life is worth you know, you, know if you have like a negative kind like, of a negative view of that. Yeah. That, that's a, a good question. So she's saying, what does that look like? What does it mean to, to relinquish? When Karen and I first uh, heard Heidi Baker, I said, I'm going forward. And she said, well, you don't know if they're having an altar call. I said, I don't care. I didn't even wait for her to finish. I knew that I saw something in her passion for the Lord, something in her abandonment, something in her surrender, that makes a difference. And when you when you move into that place, I I'm not sure how all to get there, but when you get to that place where it's all released, then your influence increases. Your influence because you're 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 living then a, a supernatural life. Do you have something, Tim? Yeah,
2: real quick. That I've been talking about this past week. So if you've been watching the Olympics, how many of you watched the uh, you said you know, the, the surfer, the snowboard, snowboarder snowboarder girls. And it amazes. That mic not, works. Not this tall. The uh, so the the snowboarder girls, and we watched them come down the hill, and one of them literally belly flopped, and what did she do? She went like this and just rode it out, having fun. They get up at the end, and they're smiling, and saying, "Wow." Their attitude was incredible in what happened there. And we, and we see other Olympians, you know, and they're just distraught, which it, it, I can understand. The, the pressure is incredible and it's great, but there's something about that person, that culture that allows them to say, wow, this is another run. Hey, this must be what today was. And they get up, literally, after s- splattering on the ground, with a smile they're happy it's like wow how can we be like that and it really challenged us
1: like it, like it let's as best we can let's respond to that might want to just put your hands open and we'll say it we've said it before we're gonna say it again we've got more information now we've got more to allow us to trust and say I want to live that way I want to give in I'm not control I'm not control of the outcome I'm not in control of where this goes. I'm not in control of my boss and how he responds. But you're the Lord over all. and So we come to you and we say, you have your way in our lives. We, are, we really mean it. We mean it that we want to live an anxiety-free life. And we set our hearts to move in that direction. And by your grace, in the days ahead, we're telling you and our brothers and sisters that we're going to rejoice in the Lord. And we're going to learn to move toward always. We want to rejoice in the Lord always. And we don't know the outcome of this day, but we know that you do. And so our trust is in you. Forgive us for the anxiety that shows we were really in control. Forgive us where we, where we allowed ourselves to be anxious. And we purpose in our heart to live in a way that brings your peace. Let the peace of God. So I'm going to bless you now with a benediction. And then then we're taking off in a few minutes to the North Shore. But then what I want you to do is turn toward one another and, and work this out. And then make sure that you end with prayer. Deal with deal with what, how, whatever part of it you want to work with, but then finish off with prayer together. And as best we can, let's, let's try to remind each other of this in the days and weeks ahead. But remind each other, hey, we are the people who rejoice in the Lord always. So the Lord bless you and keep you and keep you in the midst of difficulties. And especially those of you who are going through horrendous times now, who are going through horrendous battles, some we know about, some we don't know about. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. And that's a face that says, I believe in you. I trust in you as you trust in me. And a face that's not frowning, saying, when are you going to get over it? but a face that's smiling and approving of you in his Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you, and it's a countenance that brings forth what? Peace. I speak peace. Past the storm and peace in the midst of the storm. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
0: that I want to release, too, is Good. I feel like there are some of us here who struggle with fear of the future, mm-hmm. and some of us mm-hmm. come from backgrounds where there is insecurity in our family, and that can predispose us mm-hmm. to look at the future not with peace and a sense of safety but a sense of I'm scared, mm-hmm. right? right? And the, the enemy can use lies mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm to manipulate us and mess with our emotions and hurt us in different ways. So I just wanted to address that. And if you feel safe enough, I would just invite you to raise your hand Mm -hmm. if you're struggling to fear the future. Mm -hmm. And those of you who are not raising your hand, I would ask Mm -hmm. that you would put your hand on somebody who is, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. God really cares about our emotions. Mm -hmm. He really Mm -hmm. cares about our hearts. That's right. And he doesn't want us to be afraid. Jeremiah, God says that that he's given you the plans of a good future. Jesus came to give us life and life abundant. He says to the Apostle Paul, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. There's a promise in the Bible. He's going to take care of us. He's going to meet our needs. And he cares about how we feel. So, Father, we Mm -hmm. we renounce the lie that we have to be afraid of the future. Mm -hmm. And we renounce the lie that it's just Mm going to go bad for us mm mm-hmm. We renounce the lie that we're not protected, that we're not covered, yes, and that it's just us against the world. <laughs> you want, you want we renounce no. these lies and we forgive our family you. who lived in fear Lord and worry and taught us the lie that the right way to live is to be afraid. That we renounce those lies and we we just repent of being afraid. God you say Jesus with such a tenderness. Don't worry, don't be afraid. You're displace these lies and remove any attack from the enemy of fear. Lord, your word says perfect love casts it off fear. You haven't given us a spirit of fear. So we ask for the Father's love, the Father as provider, to displace those, those areas and to bring us comfort. And we declare the truth, God, that you have plans for a good future. Can we just say that together? We have... God, you have plans for a good future. And we ask for hope and expectation to be released. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, and now we're going to break up into groups, find groups, two or three people, four people, and process some of this stuff. If you want to talk more about fear of the future and do more prayer, I think that would be awesome.